and we're live. Welcome to the Investor's Center. The Investor's Side is your investor's guide to health, wealth, and happiness. Hosted every Sunday by yours truly, Dan Scarabini. The upcoming podcast is not strictly financial advice. I would always advise each and every one of you to do your own research before putting your capital at risk. Hi guys, welcome back to the investor side and in today's podcast we have a very special guest. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with Rob from Smart Money Advice. Rob is a long-term stock investor and has been very successful over the years. Let's get it. Hi Rob, welcome to the investor side. How are you doing today? Hey Dan, good. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for coming. Thank you very much. I'm excited for this one. Um, yeah. To begin, Rob, just wanted to talk about your background story, where you started from the beginning, what got you to where you are now, and what exactly it is that you do. Sure. Yeah, so my uh, my background in education and finance, uh, I have a bachelor's degree in finance, uh, master's in business. Yeah. I started getting interested uh, in the stock market back in college in 2008, uh, actually started investing in 2008, the fall of 2008, actually, which is probably the worst time (laughs) uh, (laughs) as I got started thinking it was the worst time because uh, Lehman Brothers was actually collapsing. The entire Mm -hmm. financial system was collapsing. Um, It was actually during the heart of it all. So uh, looking back, uh, it was a terrible time, but then, you know, 2020 hindsight, it was actually probably one of the best times because I learned so much, made so many mistakes. Um, I actually lost quite a bit of money, um, but being a broke college kid uh, wasn't really that much in terms of value. But, you know, I made all the mistakes you can think of. Uh, I bought and sold on emotion. I didn't understand what I was buying or why. I didn't do the proper research. I tried to time the markets and I had no plan. I had no foundation or strong fundamental finance knowledge at that time um but yeah why investing is so important to me um brings me to you know schools don't teach this stuff they don't teach about financial literacy um the education system is is failing us tremendously at least in the u.s and i think it's pretty similar probably around the world Yeah. yeah every single student I think should be required to take a basic financial literacy class in high school. Um, there's only maybe a few states that actually require that in the U.S. Um, you know, I have a I have a young son who I want to be equipped properly to succeed in this world. So you know, my passion has just increased tenfold, a hundredfold since I've had my son. Um, I don't want him. I don't want him to make the same mistakes I made. Uh, they're so easy to avoid if the principles are taught early on and if i had some sort of framework or blueprint that i could provide him um that's what i want to set out to do one of the main reasons you know and some of the main reasons for divorce and finance is financial problems i want to make sure you know i'm married i want to make sure my marriage is on strong ground financially uh so we don't have ever have to worry about money um you know i'm just yeah you know, I'm just an average guy. I'm not, I'm not some expert investor with some magic formula. I uh, <laughs> just found what works for me really well. And I stuck with it over a decade. And, um, you know, I want to be a testament to the average investor and help the average person out. Investing has been so overcomplicated and there are thousands of people out there with all these different strategies that overcomplicate the process. Uh, and most just try to make money off of you by managing your money. I'm here to teach people how easy it can be, how to build a solid plan, uh, how to retire wealthy and build generational wealth for your family. It's time to make a shift in financial education. Um, too many people are left behind, left confused and lost. And, uh, you know, my main goal is to, to help fill that void maybe a little bit. And my main goal is financial freedom for my family uh, so we can live on our own terms and spend time how we want. That's amazing. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. That's Completely just, yeah. yeah. So that's, that's, that's you in, in a nutshell. And I think obviously, obviously it all begins with education and research but it's about adopting a long-term mindset as well and trying to remain emotionless which is very difficult for some but over time you will get there definitely um what are your current views on the markets Rob? 
Uh, so there's a lot going on. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Even just starting out in 2022, it's been a, been a rough year so far and we're only in February. <laughs> um, <laughs> some of the, some of the main topics I think are, uh, that it's on everybody's mind is inflation. Um, what the fed and, uh, federal reserve and central banks are doing, uh, it, with interest rates, um, what's going on in tech stocks and small cap and emerging markets. So I'll, I'll kind of touch on those. Um, so inflation, inflation's running really high, definitely in the U S I think the the most recent readings in December were 7%. Uh, it's been, I think averaged out probably around six, 7% for 2021. Um, I haven't got the readings for January, but I'm assuming it's probably trending around the same. Um, yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's it's pretty high around the world. I haven't looked at readings for other countries, but uh, you know we we printed a ton of money in 2020 and 2021, uh, actually amounting to about 13 trillion dollars. That includes quantitative easing, which is um, basically the Federal Reserve uh, buying Treasury bonds from the U.S. and uh, pumping money out into the economy. That includes coronavirus uh, spending of about 5 trillion, infrastructure spending of a few trillion. So we've printed a ton of money. And just to put that in context, World War II, the entire cost was about $5 trillion inflation adjusted. And we printed about $13 trillion. So this is kind of unprecedented. We've never you know, experimented with all this money printing. And now we're kind of we're seeing the impact of all that now. Um, You know, we shut the world down and supply chains have been disrupted. Um, And it seems like demand for goods has not slowed at all. Um, I looked at the recent retail spending. And if you look at the trend of that graph, it's pretty astronomical. It's like it hasn't skipped a beat. So inflation's, um, it's concerning. Um, it's running high right now. So we'll see what um, the Federal Reserve does this year. It's, it's uh, projected that they'll raise rates about four, maybe five times. Um, but even just whispers of raising rates um, has kind of put the market in a tizzy right now. And you'll see, you see that with um, high growth stocks and small cap growth. It's, it's just been crushed. Uh, if you look at Stocks like Robinhood or um, Peloton or uh, Zoom, even a lot of these, uh, uh, you know, pandemic stocks have just been getting crushed. And I think a lot of that has to do with um, there was a lot of uh, upside in the prices during 2020, 2021. And with all this money that was printed and put in the hands of people, um, they put their money to work on the stock market and they started speculating and some of these prices of these stocks have gotten to astronomical levels and now you're seeing a sort of a reversion back to the mean which is actually good for healthy markets sure. um but you're seeing repricings uh pretty rapidly in a lot of these stocks so that's been pretty interesting um you know if you're in if you're in the small cap and, and high growth uh tech stocks you're probably getting pretty hurt right now um, let's see. Um, yeah, um, I, I like, I'm looking at emerging markets and, um, seeing some opportunities there. Um, the U S has kind of been the world beater over the last, I'd say decade. Um, but you'll see cycles like this. Um, before that it was China that had a good run. Yeah. I think China's interesting to me. Um, there's a lot of risk involved. There's geopolitical risk. There's regulation risk. Um, you know, the Communist Party and uh, what they've done with Jack Ma and the anti-IPO. Um, but I, I see some opportunity there. If you look at the, the heights of the Chinese market, I think made in 2020 or 2021, you're down almost 60% from those highs. Um, it seems like a lot of the risk is being priced in. Mm-hmm. Um, not advice, obviously. It's just yeah, yeah. something I'm I'm taking a look at. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, I saw that the other day. Actually, I was doing a bit of research, and it, it has taken a battering over the last couple of years. So, hopefully, from yeah. that point, it is up. It is 
is yeah, like you said, it's been priced in. I'd say so as well. From what I've, mm-hmm. what I've seen, well, sure. What you say your strategy is, Rob, in general, to the average new investor who's listening, what is your strategy as a basis? Yeah, yeah. So my strategy is, um, you know, I'm an index fund investor by nature. So um, about 85% of my portfolio is just in standard low cost uh, index funds. So maybe for some of the listeners that maybe don't know what index fund is, uh, it's just a, it's a fund that purchases. So like uh, VTI is a Vanguard uh, total U.S. market. index ETF. So this index ETF actually holds um, the entire investable U.S. stock market, which is, uh, I believe, 4,100 stocks is included in there. So you have just the top 10, uh, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, Tesla, Facebook, NVIDIA. Um, So the, the top holdings, but it owns the entire investable U.S. stock market. And the expense ratio or the, um, the expense that you pay per year to own the fund is only 0.03%. So basically, my strategy is to own the entire investable market. Um, that's just the U.S. market. I also own um, like VXUS, which is another uh, index ETF, which actually owns all, all the investable stock market outside of the U.S. Mm. So I invest mainly in those those two funds. Um, there's there's a bunch of other index funds that sort of track uh, those similar ETFs, but uh, my main strategy is low cost index funds. And then the other, say, uh, 10, 15% of my portfolio, I call it risk on. Yeah. So we'll I'm invested in uh, individual stocks. Um, I have other things I invest in like uh, fine artwork, um, crypto, cryptocurrencies, um, mm-hmm. NFTs, even, and some, some more speculative investments where, uh, it's not too much of my portfolio that if, if things went bad, that it would ruin my entire portfolio. But I like to speculate a little bit because I am human and, uh, mm-hmm. I do get the, um, the FOMO, the fear of missing yeah. out on some <laughs> of these, too. some of these things. So I like, I like to be on the train uh, as yeah. it takes off. I don't want to be left behind. So, I, you know, it, it only makes up a small percentage of my portfolio. So um, the real foundation of my portfolio would be index funds. Yeah. yeah. Uh, amazing. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. So for the people listening, obviously you want to take on as little risk as possible, but at the same time, not miss the boat with the more speculative assets. Um, what exactly. would be your advice, Rob, for people starting today? What would be I'm your, sorry? What would be your advice for people starting today? Oh, for people starting out. Yeah. Yeah. So if I was just starting out and say talking to my younger self in 2008, I would read as much as you can get your hands on. Mm -hmm. Um, Starting out, I read, uh, you know, the Wall Street Journal. I read uh, Investor's Business Daily, which these are some some U.S. publications. Uh, I read those pretty much every every morning. Read like a handful of books. Uh, some of my favorites are The Little Book of Common Sense Investing by John C. Bogle, uh, The Simple Path to Wealth by J.L. Collins, um, Unshakable by Tony Robbins, and uh, Howard Marks is one of my favorite finance writers. He wrote uh, The Most Important Thing and uh, his newer book, Mastering the Market Cycle, which I read Mastering the Market Cycle uh, in January of 2020. And that really equipped me very well for, uh, what was to come with the, the market crash of 2020. So those are some great books. Um, I have many others, um, if anybody's interested, uh, but just to get started investing, I would stop trying to pick the perfect time or the perfect stock or the perfect situation. Mm-hmm. Just get your money to work make a few mistakes and then learn along the way. Um, Like I'd mentioned with index funds, search out some index funds uh, that own a ton of stocks and then get started there. Um, And then you don't need to worry about timing the market. Uh, Just get started little by little and you'll learn along the way. Um, 
start with a you know small percentage of of money and then if you want to buy some individual stocks go ahead and speculate but just make sure it's uh an, a small a small percentage of your portfolio where if you do get ruined uh you don't get ruined uh, because it's such a small percentage of your portfolio. Keep on learning, stay curious. Most of my knowledge was built outside of the classroom, outside of the outside of college, and yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I re I read a ton uh, outside of college, and and knowledge builds like a compound interest. So uh, the more you can learn, the more you read, uh, the more better equipped you are as an investor, and always think long term. I think everybody today is so focused on short-term riches, uh, how to get rich overnight and the yeah. simple formulas that you can use to, you know, people are too impatient today. A big yeah. advantage you can have is just staying focused. Uh, think 10 plus years out from now yeah. and not be too emotional uh, in the short term based on what you hear in the news. Um, yeah. Be careful with like watching networks like CNBC and stuff like that. I still watch them, but yeah. don't, don't make emotional decisions based on what everybody with a voice box is, is telling you to do. So those normally, would be, normally I guess, the opposite, some of them. Yeah. Normally yeah. Yeah. you end up better yeah. off if you don't follow the crowd, but um, yeah, nowadays, Rob, I'll be honest, loads of people in the society we're in today have such a short term mindset just due to the instant gratification we're all given with. We can order something; it will come to you the next day. Everything is so straight away that adopting that long-term yeah. mindset will put you years ahead in the long term for sure. Absolutely, yeah. Even with like uh, with your phones, you know, yeah. I've I've learned that I become somewhat addicted to my phone, and yeah. it's you know a lot of these social media companies are spending billions of dollars and how to get people addicted to their platforms. Um, you know, yeah. just being there, they want as many eyeballs as they can and to be on their platforms as long as possible. So they're trying to, you know, feed you all the information that you that you enjoy based on the algorithm, which keeps yeah. us in our little echo chambers. Um, so, yeah, everybody's short term focused, too emotional. So it, the best thing you can do, you know, is just stay focused on the long term. Don't be too emotional. It is hard at first, for sure. Yeah, sure. I think you will end up making those mistakes early on. But then if you can adjust course and realize what's happening, you can you can make those adjustments along the way. Yeah, it's a gradual process. You can't change your mindset overnight. Your mindset is something yeah. that's been for a long time. So um, it's yeah. all about making small steps to achieve great things. Mm, absolutely. Definitely. Did you have any mentors when you started out, Rob? anyone you looked up to or was it mainly books self-education yeah yeah um well early on i had an internship at merrill lynch yeah. and uh i worked for a uh, a group of advisors the tutor group and um one of the guys he was kind of on his way out retiring yeah. um he was a little older but he was like the the fundamental um the fundamental analysis guy, value investor. Yeah. So like he kind of followed the lines of Warren Buffett and uh, Ben Graham. So I, I learned so much from him because he got me onto uh, reading the newspapers. He's like, here's what you got to do, Rob. Oh, first off, open a Roth IRA. This was, this was around 20, 2010. Um, yeah. He's like, first off, open a Roth IRA. Um, first things first, re, you know, read as read these newspapers read the wall street journal read investors yeah. business daily um every morning and then when you come in come into my office we'll have a discussion pick an article that you that resonated with you we'll talk about it he showed me how to value stocks um through their software and also through like yahoo finance yeah. uh, he walked me through the entire process so that got me really excited because um, nobody ever really showed me this, you know, I didn't get this in college from my professors and how to value all this yeah. stuff. So it was really cool. And then there was a, a younger guy in the group who was kind of like um, a technical analysis guy. He read the charts, he did uh, some options stuff. So I kind of learned um, both sides of the investment game from both of them. Yeah. Um, so it was really cool. And then the leader of the group, he was kind of, um, 
the, you know, the sales guy and he would acquire new clients. So I learned, um, uh, I went into some meetings and, uh, with them and learned how the sales side of things and how to negotiate. So it was really, really cool early on to, to get to see that, see that in works. But, um, outside of that, a lot of my mentors were, um, yeah, like you said, through reading books, um, I found out about uh, people like Warren Buffett, uh, Charlie Munger, who's Warren Buffett's kind of right-hand man, yeah. Howard Marks, uh, Ray Dalio, uh, John C. Bogle, John Templeton. Some of the, these are like titans in the investment yeah. industry. And uh, I just wanted to read everything I could get my hands on from all these guys, all their articles, YouTube videos. Um, I was just super interested in investing and I just uh that sort of um that intrigue just never left me so these are the guys that I learned from early on um that really helped me along my way yeah amazing amazing those those guys are great mentors to have and it looks obviously you had great people around you as well and took every opportunity with both hands um do you have any obviously other than reading getting educated do you have any other advice to people starting out in regards to success habits, any habits to pick up on the way? Obviously, we spoke about the long-term mindset. We spoke about reading books. Is there anything else you'd advise anyone? Yeah. Um, I mean, as far as habits, like uh, one of my biggest ones that I formed was just uh, reading a lot. Like I mentioned, I've read probably yeah. 50 plus, maybe 100 personal finance investing books uh a main one is to you know like i said get started investing and don't worry about picking the right time yeah but also writing down my goals i use the I love warren buffett's method the it's like five five to 25 so you write down 25 of like and physically write it down i, I feel that that's more powerful for me putting pen to paper 25 things, 25 goals that you would love to accomplish. And then go through that list and circle the five most important in that list and completely forget about the other 20 and only focus on those, those five that you circled because um, it really puts a lot of emphasis on focus, focusing your attention and not kind of, I, sometimes I have monkey brain where I, jump from topic to topic and I can't stay focused. So this allows me to stay focused on, you know, what I really want to accomplish. Uh, that's done a lot for me. So that, that could definitely help people out. Mm -hmm. And also, um, uh, Jeff Bezos has this regret minimization framework, he calls it. So if you project yourself out to age 80, when you're looking back on your life, and you want to minimize the number of regrets you have. Um, when I'm 80, will I regret having tried this new thing or tried investing out or uh, making this decision? I'm okay with trying something and failing, um, but I know that it'll haunt me if I don't try something out that, that I've been wanting to try for a long time. Uh, this sort of framework, it gets you away from you know the daily confusion and you're able to get more clarity out of making decisions. This has changed my life in a big way, but sort of reverse engineering decisions this way. Um, and I knew that if I look back on my life and I didn't get started investing or trying to build wealth for my family, that that would be like, you know, a huge regret for me. So maybe just think about things this way and, um, it'll really impact your decision-making. I, I love that so much. That's so powerful. It really is. Just yeah, yeah. When you can overcome failure, you find that it's you do achieve more and beyond your wildest dreams over time. And like you said, yeah, the, and the fear of regret as well. That's the best fear to have: the fear of regret. Reverse engineer your decisions. It's, yeah, it, massive changer for me as well. Yeah, I feel like you know, regret would just haunt me forever, <laughs> and yeah. and just. Don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Don't be afraid, like, you know, if you get started investing and the market crashes or something, just don't let that deter you because that's just the way the market reacts sometimes. You can't pick the perfect um, time to get started in anything and you're never going to be 100% prepared. You're never going to have 
all the knowledge that you need to get started. Yeah. You just have to get started, make some mistakes, learn along the way. And then, you know, learning from the mistakes is the most important. And then adjusting course as needed along the way. Yeah. So I think um, just getting started, don't wait for the perfect time. Um, yeah. So yeah, and, except uh, to the, just except get started to the maybe with, yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, obviously, the big thing recently, the C word crypto. I know you <laughs> slightly invested into crypto. You said there's a smaller speculative proportion. What mm -hmm. are your thoughts around the whole space in general? And um, when did you come across it? Yeah, so it's a super exciting space. Everybody's talking about it. Yeah. Um, so I got, I actually started investing in, in Bitcoin. It's kind of funny. Um, what was it, 20, 2017? When, um, before when everybody was talking about it many years back, um, when it was going crazy and kind of topped out at 19,000, I think maybe in 2017 or 2018. So when everybody was talking about it, it was all over the news. Um, I heard my friends talking about it. That's when I started investing, basically like right at the top, like yeah. uh, basically the next week it crashed. <laughs> so it's kind of funny how I got started. Um, yeah. It was only, it was like a small amount of money, I think like 50 or a hundred dollars. Yeah. So I didn't sell out. I just held on to it. I'm like, I don't know what's going to happen with this, but yeah, I, I, pretty much invested at like the height of when it hit 19,000 or whatever yeah. and it crashed like the next week I'm like oh this is terrible <laughs> um yeah and I had no idea what it was I had no idea like the use cases or the utility for it yeah. um I didn't understand that until actually 2020 yeah. so I started getting back into bitcoin um after I was following what was going on with uh the coronavirus and all the money printing in the US, I'm like, okay, now if there's any time for a use case for Bitcoin, it's right now. Mm -hmm. So I got started investing in 2020, um, I think slightly in the summer. And then around October, I started really um, getting very interested in reading more and researching more. And uh, ever since I've been, I've been buying quite a bit, uh, definitely in October, November of 2020. And then Pretty much from there, it was like a, a rocket ship on the way up. So, yeah, well, yeah well. originally I, I got started at the height, it crashed, and then I kind of got started back into it as it was on its uh, ascendancy again. Mm. Um, so Bitcoin's really interesting to me. There's only 21 million that, were, that will ever be minted. Um, so it's not something that can be sort of inflated away. Yeah. Um, I think the market cap is about a trillion dollars or so um yeah it's around a trillion yeah uh total crypto markets i think around two trillion yeah. if you just look at um you know gold gold is about nine nine or ten trillion yeah so as far as price targets i don't really like to get into price targets because i don't know where it could go but no, um not. it is a very interesting sort of somewhat speculative asset for me to invest in right now yeah. um so i like it um you know it is it is super volatile um you know even recently it's kind of crashed a little bit it's kind of on its way up i think it was approaching forty thousand uh per bitcoin last time i looked um yeah. around 40, 41 now yeah yeah you're right just yeah 40 mark after yeah. after yeah some downwards action but yeah yeah yeah, so what's, I mean, me, there's a lot, there's a lot of, yeah, sorry. No, that's right. That's right. Now, for me, I mean, when you see the statistics that in 2010, 10% of people spent their time online, in 2022 today, it's around 33%. They spend a third of their time awake online. If that number continues to increase, you'd like to think that Bitcoin would take on a role as a digital gold and a store of value. I feel like the tangible world is kind of being left behind and we're going into a digital age. Mm -hmm. that's, that's yeah. Place yeah, certainly. And I mean, if you just look at all the people and all the uh, institutions now that are adopting Bitcoin, um, people that have converted some of their balance sheet to Bitcoin, like I think it's Michael Saylor with MicroStrategy, who's yeah. kind of one of the first uh, big Bitcoin bulls. Um, I've listened to him, um, Anthony 
Liano is another uh, Bitcoin bull. I think he's got most of his wealth in Bitcoin uh, to um, you know, Elon Musk talks about crypto and Bitcoin. Um, a lot of hedge fund managers, uh, Paul Tudor Jones, who's a very famous trader, he was talking about Bitcoin. Stanley Druckenmiller was talking about Bitcoin and how interested he was. I mean, you've never had this sort of these uh, big heavyweights in investing sort of adopting Bitcoin until recently. Yeah. So that that makes it very exciting. And, um, you know, the more the more it gets adopted and uh, you have El Salvador uh, making it legal tender. Um, I've heard whispers. I think it was uh, Miami, the governor or the mayor of Miami talking about adopting Bitcoin. You have professional athletes converting their contracts and being paid in Bitcoin. Yeah. So the more and more that this stuff starts to adapt and happen, um, and it's been very fast, it seems like over the last say, year, um, it's pretty cool to see play out. And you don't know how far it could go, but you can only imagine that it uh, will get get more from here. More people will want to get in the space. Um, more big money will get in the space and uh, invest in it. So I like it right now. It's obviously speculative, very volatile, but um, um, it's the, it, there seems to be a lot of use cases for it. Um, there, there are a lot of risks, regulatory risks, um, but, uh, but I like it. I like it as a speculative play. Moment. Yeah, it won't be a smooth ride to the top if it is to go there. It, it won't. Yeah, be <laughs> it will be yeah. for sure. Yeah, yeah, it will be. You definitely have to uh, strap on your seatbelt. One hundred percent. One hundred percent. It will scare you to death. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. Um, obviously, seen on your Instagram as well, Rob, which is at Smart Money Advice. For those who want to follow you, um, you've mm -hmm. got your own ebook. I just thought maybe you'd go into that, what it offers, and um, yeah, the idea behind it. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for mentioning. Um, so I just released my, my first book. Um, it's called Investing Made Simple, How to Build Wealth, How to Build Long-Lasting Wealth the Easy Way. Yeah. Um, it's nine chapters, about a, it's 100 pages. Um, so pretty easy to get through. Um, so what the book goes, what the book covers, uh, you know, covers why investing is so important and why you should care, some basic terminology that every investor should know, uh, what certain accounts are like retirement accounts. This is sort of um, U.S. centric, um, but over time I will uh, will adopt some some things for global investors as well. Yeah. Um, what index funds are, what ETFs are how to open up accounts, how to get started investing, uh, how to create a full uh, bulletproof financial plan, some common misconceptions about the stock market that people have and uh, why a lot of people don't get started. And they're, and they're sort of myths and I debunk yeah. those. Um, retirement planning, how to, re how to plan for your own retirement. What I do personally with my own portfolio, I showcase that. Um, and what the book doesn't cover uh, it, it doesn't cover, you know, what individual stocks you should invest in right now, how to get rich quick, um, how to day trade your way to riches and, you know, how to watch wild chart patterns and things like that. And just look at prices all day long. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to focus on what, what has made me successful as an investor over the last decade plus, um, the strategies that I implemented, and I, I wanted to create sort of a blueprint for not only the beginner investor, but maybe a seasoned investor that wants, um, wants another path. So a blueprint that you can read through and reference and say, okay, what's step one? Here's what I got to do. Step two, and, and I have an 11 step process of how to get started. If you're just, you're lost, you don't, you don't know um, what to do or how to get started. I actually show you how to open up certain accounts, um, exact the step-by-step -step process, how to open them up, the importance of them, um, how to get started investing for your children if you have a family. Um, and, I, and then I also reference some of my, um, I have some uh, um, personal finance trackers that I've built uh, that you can uh, go along with, like with your retirement planning. 
um, you can see what age you'd be able to retire at, how much you should invest each month. And uh, yeah, so basically I wanted to create a blueprint for somebody starting out or even the seasoned investor that's just looking for a new strategy. And um, what really what really was motivational for me to write the book was, um, was my son. I wanted him to have something that he could reference as he's growing up. Yeah. And if it's something that, you know, his dad was able to write, I think that's, that's pretty cool that he'd have <laughs> something that uh, he could reference um, that wasn't available to me when I was starting out. So uh, yeah, that's that was amazing. a big motivating factor for me. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. I mean, I like, I like what you said about a step-by-step -step guide, not get rich quick. I know quite a lot of people who always don't want to get inv involved with investing as they think it's too complicated without even looking and investing doesn't need to be made complicated. It really doesn't. If you just want to put a bit of spare money into an ETF, like you said, and just hold on to it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think people have made it overcomplicated and for reasons, you know, if it, if it was so easy, everybody would do it on their own and they wouldn't need, uh, you know, money managers and Wall Street wouldn't be, you know, so rich. Um, yeah. People think this stuff is so complicated that they just, they don't want to deal with it. They'll, they'll hire a professional to handle yeah. their money for them and do it all for them. So they don't have to worry about it. But my book is to show you, Hey, you know, it's not, it's not so difficult yeah. after all. Uh, you can actually just mimic the returns of the market and end up better than all these professional hedge fund managers that you hear about in the news. Um, you know, the S&P 500 index, for example, if you invested in that for a 10 year period, uh, and Warren Buffett actually had a, a bet with a hedge fund manager back in 2007 yeah. or 2008. And um, he basically, and I reference this in the book as well, he bet any hedge fund manager over a 10 year period, a million dollars that if um, he was just going to pick a low cost um, S&P 500 index fund through Vanguard and they can pick whatever, you know, uh, combination of funds or stocks that they want to invest in. Yeah. And he bet them a million dollars that over a 10 year period, uh, basically that the S&P index would beat their performance uh, net of fees. I, I guess the, the main word there is net of fees because these fund managers charge uh, outrageous fees um, yeah. to manage people's money. And then, you know, net net of all the fees, Warren Buffett's uh, through just investing in the index fund blew them out of the water. <laughs> so it just shows you that the smartest people, you know, in the world that went to Ivy League schools um, that want to manage people's money on Wall Street, uh, they can't even beat out just putting your money into a simple index fund that anybody has basically access to do and yeah. just holding on for a long period of time. Yeah. Oh, yeah, so. that's crazy. It's crazy. It's an important message for everyone that it doesn't have to be that complicated. So um, yeah, those of you guys who are new to invest in, feel free to check out Rob's book and link in his bio. It's on your link, isn't it, right, Rob? Yeah, so the link in my bio, uh, smart money advice, just, you know, one word through all my socials. Um, I'm on Twitter, um, Instagram and TikTok at the moment. Oh, yeah, I've seen some of your TikToks, actually. I've been I've been following them. Yeah, I've seen them recently. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's kind of new for me. Um, it's new for me. Um, <laughs> the, uh, I'm trying to do some like funny videos. Yeah. Um, I, I might actually get my son involved in some of them, nice. um, create some more content. It's just, um, you know, it's hard to be creative and, uh, you know, it's so competitive on these uh, it, sites. It really so is. I'm it really trying. <laughs> the engagement on TikTok is quite good, though, I think. The engagement, you get quite a lot of people quite easily. You can make one video and just yeah. have a sensation overnight. It's crazy. Yeah, it is. I've noticed uh, yeah, I get a lot of views. Well, I don't get a lot of views, but some of my videos get a lot of views, like way yeah. more than on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll try to I'll try to create more videos and cool. be more creative. I just need need some time to think of some ideas here. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. And more of a, 
a final kind of thing. I mean, what's your view on the financial system currently, long term? I know we don't all know exactly what's going to happen, but obviously this last year, inflation has been the main concept. Do you think we'll continue to see inflation through the decade or do you think otherwise? Yeah, I, I guess the fear is um, this is something like uh, at least the U.S. saw um, in the 70s and 80s where there was extended period of inflation. Yeah. I, I ultimately don't know because this was, like I mentioned, an experimental period and printing all this money to combat coronavirus and yeah, we ultimately we ultimately don't know you know what comes of that it's kind of an experiment at the moment uh, inflation's definitely creeping up you know, it seems every month um, in 2021 and it doesn't seem to be slowing down even what i'm seeing um in my professional career uh everybody's, you know, all my suppliers are increasing prices. Um, I, w I go to get a haircut and um, uh, in December and they're like, well, do you want to, you know, prepay for next year's prices? Cause we yeah. plan on price prices going up. Yeah. And uh, they've already, they had already increased prices like two months prior. So you see it like everywhere. I see it in automotive with a Absolutely. semiconductor problem. All the suppliers are raising prices. Car prices are going up. Uh, haircut prices, like I mentioned, just everywhere. Food prices. Um, and and the, the thing is with inflation, um, when you raise prices as a business, you don't you, you don't necessarily lower prices. You know, so so now you now you're at this new anchored price where you're. You're, you don't really feel obligated to lower prices. Yeah. So now we're at this, this new price level. They can only really go up from here. I don't see them going back down. Yeah. So uh, it's, it's tough to say. Um, okay. Some people talk about hyperinflation. Um, you know, what happened in some countries post-World War II. Um, I don't, I, I hope that doesn't happen because well, well. hyperinflation is pretty much uh, pretty much end game for economies. So yeah. I, I try to be optimistic about it. Inflation is running high. Um, I think the Fed's you know, gonna have to raise interest rates because money has been too easy to get your hands on and uh, everybody's spending like crazy. Like I mentioned with retail spending, um, demand has not come down. Yeah. Um, you put more money into people's hands and they just wanna spend it, Absolutely. which leads to higher and higher prices. Yeah. So the Fed's definitely going to have to to raise interest rates. Um, but like I said, how how the market reacts, uh, um, I think we've seen the correction already pricing. Yeah, I think it's pricing in yeah. uh, rate increases for this year. Yeah. So what you see in these these uh, crashes in tech stocks, I think that is pricing in uh, multiple multiple uh, interest rate hikes this year. So yeah. as the as the rate hikes happen. Um, you know, those have already been priced in. Maybe the market doesn't react as those rates, those rate uh, hikes are announced by the Fed. Yeah, that's my opinion. Oh, um, I agree. I think I agree certain. Yeah, because the, the market is forward looking, right? For sure. So um, people are positioning and preparing for those rate increases. If you look at Treasury yields, uh, the ten-year bond has gone yeah, up to I think one point nine percent. Yeah. So you're seeing it in the bond market. Um, yeah, I, I hope it doesn't get out of control uh, like it did okay. in the U.S. in the 70s, 80s. And yeah. um, but ultimately, we'll just, I'm just keeping my eye, keeping my eye on the markets, keeping my eye on inflation readings. And cool. um, yeah, the biggest risk of all nowadays is not to invest, I would say. I'd Absolutely. Say. Yeah, I mean, just so that's another thing that really got me. Uh, really interested in investing is because okay inflation seven percent um my cash sitting in the bank they're paying me 0.01 percent um yeah. and, and the bank's making money off of me because they're lending my money out 10 times over and uh they're making money off of my money why don't why am i making the banks richer why don't i take my money and at least try to make you know seven percent you know to combat the inflation 
that's yeah. eating away the purchasing power of my money. Yeah. Um, when, when I found that out um, and, and what was happening in 2020 and all the money printing, I'm like, inflation is going to eat my money away so, so badly. I have, I literally have to invest my money. That's how I felt. So yeah. uh, outside yeah. of an emergency fund um, to deal with, you know, emergencies uh, outside of that, I don't feel comfortable holding a lot of cash because my yeah. cash is losing value every day. And uh, I have to, you have to put it to work into a productive asset. Yeah. Um, and, and, and what you've seen was with all the money printing, uh, that money has to go somewhere. And a lot of it went into the financial markets. So you saw inflation with stocks, bonds, you saw it with the uh, meme stocks, you saw it with crypto, yeah. um, NFTs. People, people were putting that money to work into the financial markets. Um, so that money had to go somewhere. So inflation, even in, even in my house price, so I live in the U.S., I live in Michigan. Yeah. Um, the, value, the value of my house went up um, over $100,000 U.S. dollars over the last year, year and a half yeah. um, from, from doing nothing. I didn't make any updates to our house. Um, it just inflated the price because everybody had, you know, more and more money chasing fewer and fewer homes, more and more money chasing the same amount of stocks and assets. So that pushed up the prices of everything. Um, so I, I just feel like, you know, I feel you feel wealthier if you are an investor into in assets yeah. and you, you have to feel poorer if you know that your money is just sitting there idly in a bank account, um, doing nothing for you because you're losing 7% well, yeah, exactly. at least uh, year yeah. over year now. Well, you would have had to have asked for a pay rise of 7% last year and not many people mm -hmm. have got a 7% pay rise. I um, yeah. I've also done some calculations and since 1970, I know it was a long time ago, but you have to work three times as hard in a lifetime to purchase a house. So um, it's just yeah. crazy. The division between the rich and the poor is getting greater and they're slowly phasing out the middle class by printing all this money. So something needs to get. Yes, that's a very important point. And I think about it a lot. Yeah. Um, populism, you know, the extremes from um, the ultra rich and wealthy and the poor and middle class kind of being phased out. So the rich, how the rich get rich and how they stay rich, the rich take their money and they buy assets yep. that produce um produce something for them that produces cash flow like real estate or stocks that pay dividends. Um, and the poor generally in middle class, they spend their money on liabilities. Yeah. So they get a new pay raise at work. They want to buy a new boat or a new car or get a bigger house. And then they think about investments sort of, if they think about investments at all after the fact, yeah. well, you have to sort of trick your trick your mind a little bit so now when i get a raise it's like i want to invest all of it like i don't i don't want a new car i don't want a new liability that i have to that's gonna Maintain. take money out of my pocket over time so you almost have to trick your mind into thinking about okay well this is how the rich get rich um i want to be wealthy i want my family to be wealthy so let me mimic and do what the wealthy do yeah and uh get out of this this uh, trap that society sort of has you in um you know to to make you buy the the newest car the newest home you know all these commercials of celebrities trying to sell you products when in reality you should be trying to be an owner you should try to be a an owner of assets owner of businesses and things that produce something for you yeah definitely i mean those things like you said the luxury items the materialistic things they don't produce long-standing happiness not in the way yeah. that having having time on your hands to spend time with your children because you invested from a young age would give you exactly yeah like i i mean things don't bring me happiness what what brings me happiness is the idea of more freedom like you said yeah. with my family because that's what matters to me most and yeah. if you have that as the end goal and you start to think um start to think about okay well if i buy a new house or a new um jet ski or a new car is that going to get me 
closer and closer to financial freedom for my family. Yeah. It's not that buying new things is, is bad, but um, you should, you should always make sure that you're putting yourself and your family in a better situation in the future and buying back time. And then if you have some money left over and you make enough money, then it's okay to buy that car or something, but always make sure that you've secured your family's future um, first. That's at least that. my opinion. Yeah, I love that. I, I have a rule for myself. It's to pay myself first. So when I started out, whenever mm -hmm. I got paid, I used to, we all fell down the trap when I was younger. I used to always go out, spend money on liabilities. But then I read something, I think it was Robert Kiyosaki, pay yourself first. And every time I got paid, no matter what, I had rules, how much I'd invest and how much I'd save. And from there, by paying yourself first, with whatever's left over, you can do what you want with it. I think that it helps. It's a good rule to have in place. You need your rules in place if you're going to break that habit. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that. And that was a great book, um, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, I, re I remember that one because um, he talks about, you know, paying, paying bills and paying other people like you should pay yourself first and then worry about, you know, obviously don't not pay your bills, but you should always focus on, you know, paying yourself, paying your future self first and then, you know, paying everybody else because everybody's always going to want you know, some of your money if you, if you buy something, but you should always focus on, on paying yourself first. That, yeah. I, that, that uh, principle always resonated with me too, from, from that great book by Kiyosaki. Yeah. Absolutely. And another mindset would be you're paying people. Wealth doesn't go away. Your wealth might be going away, but you're making someone else richer. So as other people are getting richer, you're being left behind. That's yeah. It. Yeah. Money transfer. And I saw something I saw something online. Someone had a great video. Um, you know, just go out one day shopping. Like I go, you know, in the U.S., we have a Home Depot or like a, you know, uh, a home goods store. So if you want to yeah. do a project at home, I, I do that a lot. I go to Home Depot and then you go uh, out to eat. Uh, you go to Starbucks and get a coffee. Um, you go get a Coca-Cola. You think about all these these brands and businesses that, you know, you're paying and making them rich. These yeah. people created businesses to offer you products and they're selling these things every single day to the yeah. average person. You should have the same mindset. Like I go out now and I, I view the world that way. And it's like, wow, there's so much money being made uh, everywhere. Like I want to, I want a piece of that. Like <laughs> I want uh, a rental property or an Airbnb that I can rent to somebody um, you know, I, I just, you just kind of have to think a little bit differently about the world and, um, things start to click a little bit like that. Absolutely. Completely agree. Rob, thank you so much for coming on and, um, I'd love to have you on again sometime. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. Dan, thanks for having me. No Great worries. Catch up soon. Yeah. Take care, Rob. Best of luck. Absolutely. Yep. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.